0: One thing that remains the same, and I'm very thankful for that, is that um, it is, this is still a place and uh, continue that good testimony. Just a few thoughts on uh, Second Corinthians chapter three. Oh, sorry, chapter two, actually. Uh, from verse 12, I'll read down to the end of the chapter. Verse 12 to the end of the chapter. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, that's Paul speaking, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I I did not find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. And now verse 14, which is what I was really interested in, down to um, verse 17. Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance, beings, uh, sorry, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life, leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Amen. So first of all, I just want to say that this is really Paul. um, calling to mind those things uh, which uh, God has used him and the other apostles uh, in, in a certain way in every place where they've been and uh, how he's used them to, to uh, spread the gospel in those different places and uh, how God has been opening doors in, in absolutely Gentile places where they've never heard of the Lord God of Israel before. And how God has been calling his people out of there through faith in Christ and uh, saving souls and so on and so forth. But this is not just a passage for the, uh, the apostles and it's not just a passage for preachers, so to speak. Uh, there is an application in this passage for all Christians. We are all this fragrance of Christ in some way, in some sense. So let us therefore look at those few verses, 14 to 17. Now thanks be he says to God, he bursts into praise again as Paul does often in his epistles. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. This is, of course, we know that as Christians we we know we have the victory in Christ. We can have victory over sin. That doesn't mean some sinless perfection, some point in, in our life where we just reach this, this uh, peak of, of our sanctification and we need no more. But it does mean that uh, uh, we, we uh, can know victory it does mean that we can be triumphant it does mean that we are no longer under the dominion of sin in the way in the sense that we were before however this passage actually doesn't speak so much about that it speaks it, it, um, paul here references a common thing in their day which was a roman triumphal procession uh, which is basically what happened when a roman general went out somewhere far away and did war with whoever they did war with, and was triumphant, and was uh, victorious in that uh, campaign, and returned to Rome as a victor, and uh, there was this ceremony which took place, which was basically, he was essentially like a king for a day, this Roman general, he was uh, almost, uh, I don't know, like um, deified, almost, in a, in a way, I suppose, and uh, <clears throat> Just a a, a few um, thoughts on this triumphal procession which I got from the internet just to to give you a flavor of what it looked like. It says uh, in this uh, this page where where I was reading, it says the triumphant Roman soldier, sorry, the triumphant Roman general rode through the streets of Rome with his army, captives, and the spoils of his war. And now, someone might interrupt and say, Well, I, I see what you mean. Christ is our general. He has won, he has been victorious in this battle, and we are his army, and we're marching behind him. No, that's not what we are. We're not the army. Uh, we are actually the captives. He has led captivity captive. You've read that verse. Um, we are the captives of his, uh, of his conquest. Um, and uh, he has won us over. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a captivity in which we are just being dragged along and kicking and screaming unwilling, but no, he has won us over by love and changed our hearts in such a way that we are now willing captives, willing captives. And uh, this is uh, the glorious thing. And you might ask uh, in your mind, ask the question, well, if we are the captives, then who's the army? And in in this picture, I suppose, the answer to that question is that there is no army. You say, how come? How how can there be no army uh, if Christ is the general? Well, the thing is that Christ did it all by himself. Um, There were many people who helped, of course, and not just people, angels. Think about Christ's ministry. He was helped by certain women. They, They were able to give of their substance. His ministry was helped like that. Public ministry, I mean, and then uh, we come to the events of the cross and there was things like uh, uh, an angel strengthening him in the garden. You've read that verse, of course. Uh, and then you come to uh, him actually bearing his own cross and, and then they call for Simon the Cyrenian to come along and help with the cross. And, and you think for a moment, well, there's plenty of people who are helping, but then you get to the cross and there's no one who could help. And no one, no, nor man, nor angel, he was left alone. And you recall the, the psalm which the Lord Jesus invoked there on that cross. He uh, quoted the, the first words of that song. Uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And if you continue reading that psalm, Psalm 22, you would actually um, read the verse, verse 11. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. For there is none to help. And that was the Lord Jesus' experience on the cross. There was none who could help, and none was helping him in that propitiatory work, that actual genuine work which, which secured our salvation. There was no helper. He is the general and the army. There is no other. We are his possession. We are his captives, willing captives, as I said, praise God. God for that so this is the imagery that Paul invokes here with this uh, this example that he gives of this Roman triumphal procession Um, eh, and um, continue reading in that in that article that I was reading It, it goes on to say all this was done to the accompaniment of music clouds of incense and strewing of flowers and that's where Paul gets the imagery of of a fragrance the the clouds of incense which was offered actually by the captives the 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 captives behind the Roman soldier were actually now forced to offer incense to the Roman gods as a, as a I suppose like as a token of of their defeat and and uh, and showing their allegiance now to the Roman gods, and they would offer incense, and everyone around could smell their, their <clears throat> the, the fragrance from that incense. And Paul says, well, this is what Christ has done. We now are a fragrance. We offer, in a way, incense to God, and that incense is not in some kind of ritual that we do, but it's in the fact that Christ, by his Spirit, lives in Us, in all who believe in him, in our lives, and which speak of the knowledge of God, they are now this sweet-smelling savor, which is received both by men and by God. That's what verse 15 says, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ. See, it's not just man-word, it's God-word. We are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. See that? It's a two-way thing. It's a, it's a god thing. It's a man word thing. The fragrance of Christ, which comes out of every believer, is sensed by all. First of all, let's think about how is it sensed by God. Well, he, he sees that, that life of Christ in the believer, if I can put it that way. And uh, the more it smells of Christ, the better. The, the fewer... The flies in the ointment, the better. The more adulterated our lives are in a spiritual sense, the more, the purer our devotion is to Christ, the stronger that fragrance is to Christ, uh, is to God. So how do we, how can we smell more of Christ, if you can, if you excuse my crude language, I just want to, I just want you to remember this really. Well, I believe this is synonymous with, with being filled with the Spirit or being, uh, uh, having your minds renewed by the Word of God. You see, those are, uh, those are things which are always just, uh, uh, they go together. You cannot be, uh, living a spirit-filled life without being uh, constantly saturated in the Word of God. And you cannot be saturated in the Word of God without actually having this fragrance of, of Christ about you. And uh, it just it's just even naturally impossible, if you think about it. Um, if you go to a place where, I suppose, uh, to a restaurant or something, where, where there's a strong smell of something, of food, I suppose, you leave and... and you, your clothes uh, smell of that and if it, if you have been in the presence of someone or something which has a strong scent a strong smell you will leave having that strong smell upon you and I remember my dad was telling me this story of um of a certain boy who was in his school and when he was at school a long time ago that's back in Bulgaria if I'm from Bulgaria originally and um, <clears throat> Bulgaria was known back then, I suppose it still is to some extent, as the land of the roses because roses were being cultivated for that particular purpose of actually creating uh, oil extracts from the roses and then they would be used in sort of fragrances and uh, uh, perfumes and so on, um, apart from other medical reasons. Uh, anyway, so we had those rose oil flasks being sold uh, to you know just to anyone. And um, that boy got a hold of one from his mother's closet or whatever, and they are very, very, very strong. So you actually use them as a concentrate, and, and you put them in water and, and so on, or in alcohol. I don't know exactly how it works, but basically you use them as a concentrate because they are very, very strong. But this, what this boy did was he actually opened the flask and he put it all on his head and the whole thing, and... It was a very, very strong smell to the point where he came to school and they had to actually evacuate the school and uh, they actually couldn't go back to school for a, a day or two or something like that. And every child that was in the school, you, you know who was in at school that day because they would go away smelling of, of roses. And uh, this is, I suppose, just an example of how... You know, you've been in contact with that boy, haven't you? You have been in contact, you've been to that school, haven't you? And it's the same way when it comes to Christ. We ought to leave, not just here today, but every day, uh, leave from our, the presence of Christ when we've been with him uh, in a spiritual sense. And people ought to say, you've been with Christ, haven't you? There is something about you that there. It's just this, this, Spiritual fragrance for a lack of a better uh, word uh, that we can sense uh, I, I, I often think of the apostles where when the when the jewish leaders uh, the religious leaders were uh, questioning them and they, they they saw that they were unlearned, they were ignorant men they were fishermen, yet they were speaking with such boldness and courage about the things of God, they said to themselves, They have been with Jesus, yeah, see how they they put two and two together, there's no other way that such boldness and courage would come to such ignorant men, (laughs) whereby they can speak about the things of God in that way, except for the fact that they have been with the Lord Jesus. So this is how we smell of Christ more, if you like. And then Another question that you might ask is how we diffuse this fragrance. You know, it says here that God diffuses this fragrance through us. And uh, the the actual example which is used here is uh, an example of evangelistic living. Paul says God opens the door for the gospel everywhere, in every place. And uh, this knowledge of God, the knowledge of him, that's how the that's how the scent, the aroma of the fragrance of Christ is diffused in the world. The world, which is absolutely ignorant, is without God. It is ignorant towards the things of God. We ought to tell them about the living God. If we don't tell them, there's no way. where They're not going to get it from Hollywood, that's for sure. Uh, so that's, that's one way we diffuse the fragrance of Christ in the world. Another way is through our lives and our holy living and i think of how when a believer lives godly in christ jesus we know that promise we will be persecuted if you live godly in christ jesus but there's also another thing that when a believer lives like that and when the winds of adversity and affliction come upon that that fragrance that flower if you like that scent is carried around and people can sense it and that's uh that's actually um referenced in, in the Song of Solomon, you know the, uh, the example there with the garden and how this uh, uh, this man there says about his garden, a picture of, of Christ and his bride, no doubt, his, he, or, or the soul, and he says in, in chapter 4, verse 16, Awake, O north wind, and come, O south, blow upon my garden that its spices may flow out. And when afflictions come in the life of a, of a believer, The believer that is faithful in those trials, in those difficulties, in those afflictions, actually is used by God to diffuse the fragrance of Christ in all places through it. So, brethren, your suffering and affliction is not in vain according to this. Um, It's not just God who senses it, it is also man who senses it. The, there are of course here two categories of men in Paul's thinking he was a very uh, you could call him almost a fundamentalist he was very very um, he always boiled it down to the to the actual substance and Of course, we know what we mean when we say about someone, oh, you know, for example, this person, he's a seeker, or, you know, he seeks things, or he inquires, he's inquisitive, or, uh, you know, or suppose someone else, he's backslidden, or he is this, or he's that, or he's convicted, he's under conviction, and that and the other. And we know, and and that language is fine, because we know what we mean, in, in some sense, but ultimately, it all boils down to this, those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And there's no middle ground. It's either or. It's quite black and white in that sense. Those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And they all um, feel, they all sense that that, uh, fragrance as well. Notice the tenses here. Those who are being saved, those who are perishing not those who are saved and those who will perish. Uh, brothers and sisters, There is a, this is a, a biblical concept that if the greatest evidence that someone was saved in the past is that they are continually being saved in the present in the sense of they continue living for God, they continue uh, doing, um, or uh, if they repented in the past, they continue in that state of repentance of that knowledge acknowledgement of of God's authority over their lives the Lord's uh, the uh, God's lordship over them and they continue to the end and that's the greatest evidence and the greatest evidence that someone you can tell someone you know if you continue down that track you will perish how can you say that well because you're saying well everything in your life shows that you do not know God and if you continue down that road it leads to destruction it's like us coming from Manchester and you know it's, we drive on, on the motorway, and e- every single sign going up, up to Newcastle it says, "The north and the north, this way, the north, that way." you know, and we follow that, and we would be foolish if we expected to end up in London, because that's down south, right? So if every sign in my life says, "You're going this way, you're going that way, you're going, I would be foolish not to, to think that I'm going a, the opposite way." and it's, it's the same with with a person's life, I suppose. A tree is known by its fruit. But Christ, even when Christ was on earth, he was perceived differently. The same Christ, he didn't change. He wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't living a double life, so to speak. No, no, no. He was the same person. He was perceived differently. How did God perceive him? God looked down from heaven. The Father looked and he said, this is my beloved son in whom is all my delight. I'm well pleased in him. Uh, and God uh, wasn't able to say that about anyone who ever lived on this earth. And all of a sudden, this, this shoot out of, out of dry ground, right? Something which is absolutely beautiful, sinless, perfect. And God could just speak from heaven and say, this is it and man looked upon the same man looked upon the same person of Christ and and what did they how did they assess him completely different they they say crucify him he does not deserve to live what a different what a difference of opinion how come is it that Christ was one with in front of God and another in front of man not at all it was just that man in his corruption in his fallen state is just so Everything is just so perverted in our minds and in our uh, think the way we think that everything is affected by sin in such a way, and we often speak about you know how uh, by nature we have a, a heart which is which is hard towards God and by nature we are blind towards the things of God. But by nature we also are, uh, are have our noses, <laughs> if you if you like, corrupt by sin that we cannot sense the sweet aroma of Christ. We think it's some kind of foul smell. No, no, no. You see, that's why we need, when we, are, when we are converted, when we are saved, when a person is born again, he has his heart changed. He has his eyes changed. Now, you know, we sing, once I was blind, but now I see. And also, he has his nose changed, if you like. So now he can sense that sweet savor, that fragrance that comes from the life of Christ, and he says, Well, that's something desirable, that's something beautiful, that's something sweet. Well, whilst before I saw it as the most disgusting thing. You see the difference of opinion, brothers and sisters. Well, it says here that men, both those who are being saved and those who are perishing, can all sense that fragrance. They can all sense that fragrance. And, uh, you know this is a this is a quite a sobering verse. Verse 16. Look at what it says: "To the one we are the aroma of death, leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life, leading to life." It is as though God uses our lives and our testimonies, that fragrance that He diffuses from us, to both save the repentant ones, save those who. He would call and also at the same time condemn those who are hardened in their disbelief. And uh, it is not, if I told you we have to, we are here to condemn the world, you might understand me wrong. You might say, oh, do we need to go out now and be very mean spirited and, and just be very unkind to people? Is that what you mean by us having to condemn them? And I say, absolutely not. All you need to do is live godly in Christ Jesus and uh, show them the love of God, the love of Christ, and and share the gospel with them. And you know what? Unless the Lord God intervenes in their lives, that would lead to more condemnation because of them rejecting it and rejecting it and rejecting it. It's like rejecting more light and more light. But that's what God has called us to do, this twofold ministry in a way. It is a a savor of life, that leads to life to some and a savor of death that leads to death for others. You see, no one can be neutral when it comes to the fragrance of Christ. You either receive it as something desirable or reject it as something foul. And that is the effect of it really. And that was the, the, that was the effect of, of the life of Christ. And that's when we diffuse uh, that same fragrance uh, around to those around us, we have the same effect Uh, We see the same thing, and um, Paul says that this is, you know, this is something that um, they do, uh, the apostles and he himself, not by verse 17, not because they are peddling the word of God, no, they're not misinterpreting the word of God for their own advancement, no, 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 they are being faithful to the word of God, and that's it, that is its effect That is the effect of the word of God. You see, a fragrance cannot be hidden. Many other things can be hidden, but a fragrance, a smell, cannot be hidden. And uh, the best some people try to do is actually mask a smell, right? So they, on top of a certain smell, they put another and uh, try to mask it. And I suppose some Christians uh, can be in danger of that. And uh, even I myself, I must admit that sometimes uh, I, I don't want my testimony to the world to be um, a certain way and I try to mask it. I try to make it more appealing to those people around me and that makes it repugnant not only to them who don't like it anyway but to God also. So we don't want to mask it. We don't want to put flies in the precious ointment. No we want to leave it pure. Our testimonies pure. Our lives holy. Our Uh, just devoted to Christ and as fragrant of him as possible and yes that would be foul to the world but God will use it to save his own he will use it to call sinners to repentance he will use it to bring in every place people to himself and he will lead us in this triumphal procession uh, and and in every place diffuse the fragrance of Christ through us May God help us. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful that you have called us and chosen us and uh, given us this great, great, great joy of knowing that we have our sins forgiven, of knowing that we are right with you, not because of anything we have done, but as we have heard already through the testimony of two or three witnesses, because of everything that Christ has done for us on the cross. Father, we are thankful, receive our thankfulness for that great work and sacrifice of your Son. We pray that you will enable us to be more fragrant of him wherever we go, both to you and to the world. Help us, Lord. We ask, our Father, that you will spare us and not let us uh, tamper with with that ointment. Help us to remain pure and undefiled in that sense, Lord. Help us to um, yeah, just uh, have a pure fragrance of Christ wherever we go and in every place that we'll be able to diffuse it, Lord, for your glory and your honor. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.